You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech fan number 105 with Owen Rubin, Tim Robertson, and the discussion is cars and patent trolls. And it is tech fan number 106, although it says 105 in my GarageBand file, but that's just because I used uh, last week's episode and just delete the old stuff and hit record and start a new one. It's because I'm lazy. Uh, Special guest uh, today interview with Steve Ballmer was canceled. So, uh, yeah, so he's not here. Wow, I'm taking Steve (laughs) Ballmer. You know, he didn't know about it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I, I don't I don't accept that excuse. Ignorance of the law does not mean. Uh, so obviously Owen Rubin is uh, joining me today. Hello, Owen. Yeah, wasn't sure. Be- uh, David said he was going to be here, but he's not responding on Skype and he's not responding via text. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on with David. Um, you know, he's he's going through a lot right now. And uh I hurt just thinking about it. It's know? yeah, me too. It's not a good thing. <laughs> I sent uh, Owen over to my Facebook page because I posted an iPhone video from my drive Tuesday, and uh, we're, we had some pretty nasty winter weather snow here. Yeah, and I would. That. It was uh, it was a video. I'm doing. You said fifteen. It's actually seven. I'm doing seven miles an hour on I ninety four. Yeah, it's hard to speedometer when it was shaking yeah and you see cars just on the side of the road just I'm crashed on an at 111 on <laughs> your in there which is a car that has buried itself in the snow against the guardrail and it's the snow has yanked the back bumper off of him he was going so fast it's uh you know it's funny every year when you start getting and this is really the first bad snow of the year uh, of the season, I should say. And it's like people just forget. They don't remember how to drive in bad weather. And it's it's mind-numbing to me that they just... So many people that you hit those slippery roads, and most of the time you'll see it's the bigger trucks in the in the ditch, the SUVs, because yeah. they think, well, I've got four, four by four. I can plow right through it. And it's like, no, you can't, idiot. It's ice. <laughs> you know, if it was sand, sure, you'd, you'd be okay. Yeah, my scariest moment ever driving was in Utah, and uh, I learned about black ice the hard way. Uh, I had yeah. never, California kid, what do I know about black ice? And uh, someone in Utah decided that bridges should have turns in them. Now, this is to me, like if I was a highway engineer and I knew the roads were going to freeze, all bridges would be straight. Sure. Okay, so I'm going down the highway... 65 miles an hour and the bridge has a 20 degree turn in it and I turn the wheel and I just watch the guardrail come right up and smash the front of my car. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was completely iced over. Uh, and, and you know, I learned a lesson. Slow down when there's ice. Mm-hmm. 
but well, it's like that. And, and ice and bridges are uh, notoriously for being ice because there's no earth underneath it to melt the ice. Well, I could figure that out. I just didn't ever seen one before. <laughs> I had a... Uh, or not seen one, I should say, because it was black ice. It looks like the road. Yeah, you can't see it. I had, uh, I've had a lot of you know scary experiences, but that video Tuesday is funny in that you know it looks pretty bad. The funny part, or maybe not so funny, is that actually wasn't the worst of the driving that day. Um, later, around mile marker, I'm going to say 50, well, 60 through 20, let's say, was pretty much whiteout conditions. Oh, I hate and that. And if you've never driven through true whiteout conditions, it is one of the scariest things of all time because the the road essentially gets covered up so fast you can't follow the tracks from the cars in front of you. You also can't see any of the markers on the side of the road because you can't see them. And the snow looks like it's literally coming right at you in a tunnel. Your lights do no good at all. If you put on your high beams, it's even worse because you get more of the reflection through the snow at you and so you're driving at yeah maybe 10 miles an hour if that you're sitting forward in your seat your stomach is clenched your hands are clenched on the wheel you've turned down all the music or whatever you're listening to because you don't it's too much of a distraction and you concentrate in a way that you don't concentrate like that at any other time in your life every fiber of your being is just trying to navigate <laughs> and it is just it's frightening equivalent in california since we don't get a lot of snow at least where i am is if you drive the central valley highway five which runs up and down the center of california um it's a two lane each side so four lane high, divided highway they get fog in the central valley that gets so thick that you can't see the end of your hood yep that's okay? exactly it's and the same thing here there will be you know, a 60 to 80 car pileup on the on Highway 5 because, well, so we have an advantage when it's just fog, okay? We have this little thing called a bot dot, and I know, I, I guess they're starting to show up all across the country, but it is, um, it's a physical bump that they put on the, on the lines of the road. Yep. So we always say drive by braille, right? You know, if you, if you start to drift out of your lane, it goes, bump, 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 and it lets you know, well... On the other hand, we have that in Michigan. I'm in this, in that, and know you're on the lane. <laughs> and people will go 50, 60 miles an hour flying down through this thing where literally you cannot see the hood of your car. It, it, it's it's that heavy until they hit the car in front of them that's moving five miles an hour. Right. And of course, it starts a chain reaction because now they're crashed and the next car crashes. And we've had pileups of 70, 80 cars down in Central Valley. Yeah, we get that in Michigan usually during either heavy downpours of rain or heavy downpours of snow. Yeah. But that's what I drove through Tuesday. doesn't look like fun. It's not at all. Um, it's yeah. easier to do when you're younger, I think. You, could, you, you bounce back earlier but, or quicker. But by the time I got to the hotel in Chicago, I was, I was wrung out. And it's funny because as soon as I hit basically the Indiana and even more so the Illinois border... There was no snow on the ground at all. I mean, it was. It could have been fall for all they knew. How far do you have to drive? Um, about two hundred miles. Oh my gosh! So how much of it was in this kind of condition? Oh, uh, probably seventy, seventy-five. 
an extra couple hours to your yeah to your drive. yeah my three hour drive took four and a half hours you know, then I get to the hospital. Uh, well, actually, I tried to leave earlier in the day, and uh, I got about twenty miles away from home, and I had to turn back. It was, it was terrible, and I should have said, "Okay, you know what? I'm just not going in today. I'm going to wait till tomorrow morning." But I was antsy. You know, I'm scheduled to be there, so I want to get there. Of course, I'm the one who made the freaking schedule, but still, it's you. you it's know, me. I, I, you take your responsibilities very seriously, so I. And so you know, it got to be around three o'clock, and. Uh, <laughs> I I, uh, I said I I gotta I gotta get to work, and I didn't get in until after eight. What time did you leave? Uh, three. Whoa. Yeah. So you know, it, it, and the whole time there, I, I get through the worst of it, and I'm probably eighty miles away from home, and I'm thinking, you know what, I should just turn around and go back home. But then I think, wait a minute, I know by looking at road conditions on my phone and stuff that ahead of me is fine. Yeah. So to turn around and go back home now, I got to drive through all that crap again. <laughs> so at that point, you just got to kind of push through and, but I'm cursing at myself the whole time going, why, why did I drive through this? What am I stupid? I'm not going to do work or my family any good if I wind up in a ditch. Yeah. I'm reading some of your comments, some of the comments people have left on this post you did and it i want to write you know hey we used to have to drive 50 miles through this uphill both directions <laughs> um <laughs> something remind me about people are like one-upping this you know it's like oh yeah well wait do you see what <laughs> well, I, this didn't look fun if people it, should go out wasn't. to your website on facebook yeah my facebook isn't privately protected or anything because i figured what's i'm not going to put anything there i want private so what's the point if you go to facebook.com slash mymac, one word, M-Y-M-A-C, that's my personal Facebook page, and uh, scroll down and you'll find that video. It's uh, It was scary. It really was. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't envy it. I, Putting hyperbole aside, it was scary. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> just, I'm looking, for you, those of you who haven't seen it, you know, I looked at his video, and it, just when I started it, I went, whoa. <laughs> and uh, the funny thing is, there wasn't a lot of snow at that point. I mean, it's maybe a couple of inches, if that. Well, that that Toyota is buried up to the middle of his wheels. Yeah, that's because it, it accumulates there. Side, yeah, yeah. But not it's much, you know, buy, buy cheap. it's not the the amount of snow; it's the amount of slipperiness on the road. And coming back, by the way, it was fine. Um, but you know, I. I we're off the road I, now. They had crashed on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're I'm taking sorry. out, wow. like, guardrails now, and they're putting up this wire thing. Um, it's basically pylons with uh, this wire between the two. See that in the image. Yeah. And I guess the thought behind it is it's going to stop you, number one, which that's what they're designed to. But they do give, so it damages your car less than... Obviously, you're not going to get as hurt when you smack into a steel guardrail at 50. The, in California now, it's it's these. I don't know how to describe them. Kind of they they swoop up. They're wider at the bottom than they are on the top. Concrete dividers. Yeah, those are not good. Them, they actually kind of throw you back the direction you were going. Right. In some cases, upside down because they're really they're curved like that. Um, and they've had to do that because. So we don't get this kind of snow in the Bay Area, right. but we get heavy rains. And, and what happens is that tells the idiot drivers, oh, it's raining for the first time this season. The roads are slippery. I'll speed up. And I, I, I looked at this video, I had to tell you, because you had commented that these guys had just passed you 
going two, quite fast two miles sometimes before earlier. That, yeah. I don't wish anybody really ill, but sometimes there's just poetic justice when you see some idiot Karma. driving that fast over on the side where he's wrecked his car and go, well, you know, you had that coming. Yeah. And both of those guys Sometimes I feel just that stupid. way. It's like, good, now you're off the road. It's a little safer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, but yeah. Um, you know, the funny thing is I've never really been in a car accident because of weather, except for one time, and it was a one-car accident, i.e. me. I had, yeah. this was back in the early 90s or so, mid-90s maybe, and I had a Lincoln Continental. Ooh, land yacht. But it was one of those that has that slanted rear end, but it had the uh, air ride suspension. Very, yeah, they were rides, weren't they? Yeah, it drove beautifully. And it hated slippery roads. This car was terrible in slippery roads. And uh, I was running my own company at the time, and I was at this internet service provider in Kalamazoo, and they were in this industrial park. And basically, I was... I had gone there because they were getting a lot of Mac users that were signing up, but they didn't have any software or any support to support Mac users signing up for their internet service provider or whatever. And so uh, they reached out to me, and I became kind of their IT, I guess. Uh, did I get someone just started? No, I, I, I oh, muted that was you. I muted. Okay. Was that me? Yeah. And so uh, I went over there and came to terms with them. They gave me free internet access, and um, they gave me a little bit of money. And anytime they would get a Mac user, a customer, they would send them my way, and I would send out a disk, and, you know, it would have that, you remember free PPP, and, <laughs> you know, you'd get that little disk, and it would have all the, it would have the simple web browser, Netscape Navigator 2.0, Um and then, you know, printed instructions on how to install the software in Mac OS 8 and how to uh, configure it. And then, you know, there you go. Now you can get on the Internet. Yeah, the Internet in quotes, right? Yes, because there wasn't much of an Internet at that time. And so it was cool. And uh, I got free Internet access out of it, which was even better. And I made a little scratch on the side. It was hard to, to find. Uh, it was it was not cheap. wasn't I think everybody was doing like AOL as their cheap internet access, and wasn't it like fourteen ninety five a month or something? Yeah, but then yeah. it was busy all the time. You'd call was, AOL's dial up numbers, and you couldn't get in half the time. And there's you couldn't get on at all between say three o'clock and nine o'clock. There's just no way you're not getting in. Um. And, and this was during the rise of the local internet providers with the dial-up modem banks and all that. And so it was wintertime, and I went over there, and I brought a guy with me that was working for me at the time. And a, the meeting went well, but during the meeting, I kept looking outside, and I see more and more snow. And I'm like, ugh, you know, I don't, I, I'm going to hate driving through this when I leave here. We jump in the Lincoln. And I'm feeling kind of like a big shot. I'm running my own company. I'm driving a nice Lincoln Continental and blah, blah, blah. I start driving, and they had just recently um, repaved the, the whole parking lot. But it's an industrial park, so you're kind of zigzagging through around buildings to get out, right? Okay. I'm literally doing three miles an hour. <laughs> Sorry for laughing. Coming up. <laughs> to a turn in front of me is just a curb not a particularly big curb or anything just a curb i'm doing three <laughs> i turn to the left nothing happens i am not turning i hit the brakes nothing's happening 
I'm yeah. not really panicking because it's three miles an hour. I can, I can sleepwalk faster than three miles an hour, right? <laughs> it, that's walking speed. I mean, that's it's nothing. So I hit the curb, and it completely destroys the entire suspension system in this car. Oh, just destroyed it. The car, because it had the air ride suspension, is almost dragging on the ground now. It looks like a low rider. Broke one of the air shocks or something. Uh, it broke a line and a couple shocks, and it basically I, I got it to the dealership the next day, and it was like four grand worth of damage. Wow! And I was just like, okay, I'm not fixing that. <laughs> I sold the car. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not. No, I just had one of those on my Prius. I took my, you know, I love my Prius. It's it's a great car for out here. I don't know if I'd have one in the snow or no, you wouldn't like want that. One. But but out here, it's a great car. Um, and I took it in for my usual 5,000-mile checkup, and I get this phone call from the dealer, and he goes, what'd you hit? Like, Excuse me? <laughs> he says, oh, you need to come down and see this. And I go down to the Toyota dealership, and he's got it up on the rack, and it looks like someone, it looked like I had driven over a large piece of concrete that literally rolled under the car as I was driving. That's when you're getting on the phone to your wife, Honey. <laughs> so I, and the guy says, well, you know, normally that wouldn't be a problem, but it cracked this, and he points to something. And I said, what's that? He goes, well, you know, that's the cooling case for the electric motors and the generators. And he says, it's leaking. And I said, well, what does that mean? He goes, well, if you drive about another 50 miles, it'll just burn out. Now, what is this going to cost? You know, so several thousand dollars later to have this thing replaced. And so I went home, and my wife looks at me, and she goes, what's wrong? I said, well, I had to, like, put a $2,500 transfer case into my into my car because it was cracked and she goes oh i may have hit something (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, maybe (laughs) i think so (laughs) actually it turns out i called my insurance well i was actually talking to the guy in the shop and he said why don't you just call your insurance company i said well what do you mean no one hit me he goes no but that's a collision you know you hit something in the road he says you're at fault but it's a collision so I think the total bill was going to be almost six grand by the time they were done with the, you know, they had to fix the bumper and the, the underside thing was had cracked, you know, the protection plates had cracked. And long story short, I called AAA and I said, "Well, can I do this?" And they go, "Yep, yeah, it's a collision." And I said, "What? What does that mean?" She goes, "Well, it's a point on your record for the for the uh, insurance, and your insurance will go up." And I said, "Well, how much will it go up?" And she gives me a number, and I add all of that up for the next three years, which is what it's going to go up for, and it was about. 20% of what it would cost me to fix my car. So hmm. uh, I actually used my insurance, but it's amazing that, and, and I asked her where she hit it at the end of our driveway, at the end of our little alley. Yeah. The garbage trucks have been sort of digging out a hole as they go down there. Sure. And, and now the, 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 I don't know what you call it, the angle of the road coming into the main road is too steep. So when you hit that, if you hit it too fast, it scrapes the bottom of the front of your car. Nice. And she, he was going too fast down there, and it, and it made a big bang. Well, you know yeah. what not to do anymore. Well, or more specifically, I mean, you, you she knows drive that thing at like do. two miles an hour in here. <laughs> As you roll down the end of it, it just—I'm uh, sure I'm—I'm I'm going to break it again sometimes. Well, there's probably uh, a part of the cement now that's lower than where you're <laughs> driving and where you're going, right? Scraping it off, yeah. So it's <laughs> right. Well, go buy go buy a couple. Pounds of quickcrete fill in that hole where the divot is, and what's well, funny? The guy that lives right at that spot, he does that about every month. Does he? He goes out there, puts gravel and then a little concrete over the top of it. And uh, the, the, the city was getting upset with him, and he was like, "You're not fixing it." 
you know so he just goes out there it, does, it looks like crap but you know why that's why that stays before the rain washes it all away it right. works fine so yeah i just have to remember to go out i can go out the other side of the road so not fun high tech cars you know they work great until you have to fix something on them yeah cars are i you know i used to be a, kind of a car person i was a car nut yeah i'm not at all anymore i don't i don't care anymore well, I, want, I just want something that's comfortable to drive and dependable. Well, did you used to wax your car like like like, like five times? No, a year I was I was the guy that and everything had to be, yeah. no, I wasn't. I was the guy that would take the ugly car and make it fast as hell. <laughs> that that's the thing I did. But I did I did stupid crap in my car. I, I mean, just I had a. Uh, it was it was my first car. It was a hand me down from my dad. It was a nineteen seventy Delta eighty eight Oldsmobile four door, green, and uh, that was my first car. And it actually moved pretty good, you know. And I had a, a girl in the passenger seat, and I had a couple guys in the back seat, and I'm trying to show off a little bit. And we're going down into this residential neighborhood, going to a friend's house that. It's not really a party because I think her, her family was home, but it was, you'd hang out in her basement. It was a finished basement. And we'd play pool and stuff like that. And so <laughs> I, it's this residential neighborhood, and there was a steep hill that we had to go up. And then at the top of the hill, you take a left, and then there was her house. And I'm in this Oldsmobile, and I'm trying to show off, and I'm, you know, I'm 16, right? 17. And so, so I gun it as I'm going up this hill and I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I drop it into low at this point, I'll get even more power. So I did that. And the U joint on the axle just explodes. And, uh, thankfully it was the front U joint. So the car literally drifts a little bit farther up the hill and, uh, and it starts rolling backwards. So I hit the brake and the brakes aren't working. Oh, cause the engine had stopped. Right. And it's not restarting. And, you know, as a young kid, what do you do? I told everyone to get out. So everyone bails out of the car, and me and the three guys run behind it, trying to stop this car from rolling. Well, this is a 74-door Oldsmobile. It weighs, you know, 4,500 pounds. Uh, Sure. You're not going to stop this thing from rolling. Well, I must have cocked the wheel a little bit because it decides, man, I'm going to roll up into this yard. And it rolls into this yard, and at the on the other side of the yard is a wall because it's a hill, so the houses aren't all level. So there's this retaining wall, and on the other side of it is this person's driveway. And Uh-oh. sitting in this driveway is not even a year-old Camaro. To me, that was a nice car. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, crap. And I literally, the, the, my car starts rolling over the top of me. And I'm squatting underneath the rear bumper by myself at this point because my friends were smart and got the hell out of the way. Eh, I think they wanted to see a good vantage point of this, my car. Running you over. Careening yeah. over this hill and just smashing this brand new Camaro. That would be fun. But uh, the way I, it started rolling over me, um, the, the momentum was retarded enough that it stopped. <laughs> and but I'm the only thing that's kind of there to stop this car and they put rocks under it and all that but it was literally inches from going over this hill or this retaining wall and just smashing on top of this brand new Camaro 
the st- the stuff you do as a kid is just uh 16 year old like screaming at your car to stop <laughs> yes i was all wow. to try to impress a girl you know what i mean i really like this girl and i was driving a little bit recklessly and you know it was oh, the 80s ew. my best friend growing up we uh he got his mom's uh Ford Falcon, I think it was. You know, as I usually say, the Ford POS, if people yep. know what that stands for. Uh, and he was trying to show off, so he was revving the engine in neutral. You know, and he revs it up really high and grabs the shifter and drops it into drive. <laughs> and there's this funny conk, and the motor literally jumps out of the front of the car. Uh huh. Smashed the motor mounts. It's, it smashed the motor mounts. It broke the U joint. It pulled the transmission, most of the drive shaft, and the motor <laughs> about four feet forward. <laughs> yeah, that's embarrassing. Yeah, very good. You know, nice job. You know, explain that to your mom. How you just you just dumped the front. And how do you explain that? How do you go to your mom and say, "Well, I don't know what happened. The motor just jumped out <laughs> just of the front of the car." Out. It was tired of being in this old rust bucket. Auto <laughs> There's no way he can he can make up any story that's ever. He, this guy Mike was a he was a great friend growing up, but God. Talk about a guy who had a black cloud hanging over his head. Oh, if something yes. was going to go wrong, it just happened to him. Yep. You know, he, he. I don't know if he made him happen or, like, he was driving at home one day and he was coming around a corner and some guy was coming around this blind corner a little wide the other way and clipped the back of his car and yanked the bumper off. Wow. The guy took off. He didn't stay. <laughs> yeah. This guy takes off because it didn't hurt his car. But it just pulled the back bumper off. So, you know, we picked it up and threw it in the trunk and with it hanging out the back. And we drove home, which was about two blocks away. And his dad's standing there. And he goes, what? This guy hit, hit me coming around the corner. He's like, yeah, sure he did. You know what? <laughs> and he looks at me, what happened? God, the days of cars. You know? I had a friend. I was a manager of this place called Action Auto while I was in high school. I was, I was the manager, right? It had a six-bay garage where we did tires and oil changes. and uh, We didn't do heavy engine, but we pretty much did everything else. Yeah, it you also the underside of your car. <laughs> it also had, uh, a, it was a gas station as well. We had like 12 pumps, and it was a full auto parts store. So it was kind of this hybrid thing that I don't see too much anymore, but this was a big thing in the 80s and 90s. And uh, they're out of business now. They were called Action Auto. That's too bad because, yeah, I miss those kind of stores. But you can't really work on today's cars like you could no, before. Not, no, it's, you, need a, you need a laptop to work on a car nowadays. Computer engineering degree. Yeah. Yes. So I had a friend. I, I actually hired my best friend to work there. And he, I don't remember what the designation was, but he just did oil changes. And this customer comes in and he wants an oil change and something else done to his car, whatever. Uh, and, I, and I tell him what's well, going to be, you know, tomorrow is the earliest I can get in. He's like, can, that's fine. Can I leave the car here? And I said, yeah. And he says, well, can you put it in the garage? I don't want it outside all night. I'm like, absolutely. So he gives me his keys and we ride him up and he leaves. And I go out <clears throat> and it's a really nice Chevelle. But it it looks like crap. But as soon as I start it, it's a really nice Chevelle. You know what I mean? You hear this motor and you're like, whoa. So, <laughs> so I goose it a little bit. And this car is, is just... It's badass. I mean, it can go. It, it's going to shit and get, no problem. <laughs> so I pull it around to the side. Um, you know, the shift is almost over. We're getting ready to close. Uh, and I tell my friend Troy, uh, pull that Chevelle in. 
Oh no, I'm sorry. I, I take that back. I'm. Uh, I I had pulled the car in. Um, and he had to pull it out that night uh. for some other reason. We had to put it in a different bay or something. Because the reason I was driving it to begin with is I pulled it into the garage. Okay. So I give him the keys and I was like, pull the pull that Chevelle out, put it in bay one or something like that. And as I'm handing him the keys, I say, don't get up on this car because he was notorious for doing that. I said, <laughs> this car will shit and get. I'm not kidding, dude. Don't get up on it. It it moves. And he gets this. Forest. Yeah, he gets this wicked grin on his face. I'm like, dude, I'm serious. Don't get up on this car. Really? He's like, don't worry, I won't. Maybe two minutes go by and I get this bad premonition. <laughs> so I go out to the garage and as soon as I open the door, uh, the garage door where the bay is, where he's got this car, is open. The car's running. And I can see the look on his face like, wow, this thing's got a motor in it. <laughs> Behind him in the parking lot is this car that we've had for maybe two weeks at this point. The customer hadn't come in and paid for it yet. So that that person's racking up all these storage fees and all this, and it's you remember the the first generation of minivans in the eighties? They were just yeah. they were just crap. Yeah. And so it was one of those. Okay. And I maybe and I didn't come back for it. <laughs> the, and I just know what's going to happen, and I'm it's absolutely is what happened. Troy gets up on the engine when he backs up, and he hits this van, Ugh. and his eyes goes round as a saucer plate looks at me and does the finger over his lip like shh shh like please please don't tell on me no one will notice no one will notice no the the back of the car is fine it's the minivan that's not very fine (laughs) it's got this huge dent in it and you can't open the the sliding door thing anymore (laughs) so troy pulls this car and i ream him out and what am i gonna do right so the next day I get into work after school, remember, because I'm in high school. Um, there's the day manager talking with this guy, and this guy is livid. And uh, I kind of ignore the whole situation, go back, punch in, do all my, you know, when you first start your shift stuff, paperwork. And I come out, and that guy's gone, and I'm like, who's that? And he goes like, oh, you, got, you know the so-and-so with the minivan? Yeah. Well, he came in to pay for it today. I was like, oh, good. It's out of here then. He goes, yeah. Of course he but did, yeah. There's a, there's a big dent in it, and he's trying to blame us. I told him that dent was already there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like. In the parking lot during the night. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so I never gave up my friend, but, you know, by the same token, well, I knew exactly what happened. <laughs> well, that was the place, and I think I told you this prank that I had pulled. That was the place where uh, the keys on the keyboard were removable. There were ca- there were caps oh. over the keys themselves, the letters and numbers and stuff. So one night, since I was a night manager, I pulled all the caps off these keys and rearranged them. <laughs> so so and I thought everyone knew that the keys, the keyboard was removable and that you just had to put the keys back on the right button. So S is S and what have you. And I come in the next day, not even thinking about it. I, I had completely forgot that I did this the night before. And I sit down at the keyboard, and I notice on the screen, there's all these sticky notes. There's like four or five sticky notes in a line, and it's A equals S, B equals D. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Because they thought there was something wrong with the keyboard. It was so funny. 
So literally, someone sat there pushing each button to see, okay, C, nope, that's D. So he would write that down. <laughs> so, to, so to type, they had to look at this little cheat sheet to see what they actually had to hit to get the button. <laughs> typers, right? I yeah. mean, if someone was on a type, they wouldn't even care what the key caps Right. Well, but type. this is an auto part store in the 80s. No one knew how to type. I mean, <laughs> you know. You couldn't, you couldn't see the letters very good anyways, because most of the people that were typing on it had greasy hands from working on cars or handling dirty auto parts all day long. Replaceable, so you could throw them away and put new ones on? No, it's the IBM Model M keyboards. They they use the same keyboards, but the the keys themselves were removable, so you can clean them. That's too funny. Yeah, I, it was hilarious. All the, key, the He had that little shortcut up there. And when I showed him, I said, I popped off the top of the key, and I was like, dude, you could just put them back. He's like, oh, you know how long it took me to do <laughs> pranks. I used to love pranks like that. You know, I used to. Guitar? You remember the uh, the startup uh, desktop accessory that was in the uh, Apple menu on Mac on Classic Mac? Yeah. Well, it was an application. If you, you go up to the Apple menu and you go down to shut down, and it just ran a little script, and it would shut down your computer. Well, I would take the an alias of that and put it in people's startup menu. <laughs> so they would reboot their computer. It would start up. It would go to the startup menu, and then it would hit that shut down DA, and it would just shut down. Pe- people thought I was a genius because I knew how to fix it because, obviously, I would start it up with extensions off, holding right. down the shift key. So it wouldn't go through those menu items. I would, when they weren't looking, delete it really quick, restart the computer, and go, ah, there you go. <laughs> favorite gag on old Macs like that was to put a, a desktop pattern that had 500 icons of the trash can. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and then move the trash can somewhere in the middle. So so you couldn't tell which was the real trash can. You know, you'd start your computer up and there'd be 500 trash cans on your desktop. You know, and of course you can't tra- car- drag anything to any of them unless you find the right one. That used to drive people crazy. You just snapshot that and put it on their background. I would do something similar, but I would take a picture of their desktop. Uh, but this only works if they have a lot of icons and folders and stuff on their desktop, which everybody did. And then I would take all of those folders, put them in one folder, and then move it onto the hard drive icon. And then I would make the desktop picture the screen snapshot. <laughs> so they were like, what's going So the trash icon, I mean, because the actual icons were sitting on top of that desktop picture. So you could put stuff in the trash, but none of the icons for, you know, the files on their desktop were working and they can, they were like, what, what's going on? Why isn't this work? I'm double clicking it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we used to write, we have all sorts of pranks at Apple. We used to write little key plugins so that the keyboard would, would type backwards and things would just not work. I used to love pranks like that. Yeah, you don't. People don't do that anymore. At least, you know, not to. Not well, like they, that. Now they call them viruses. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Let's uh, let's take our quick break here, Owen, and when we come back, uh, we'll talk about something else. We'll be right Some back. Talk, yeah. Ever think about becoming a podcaster? Thinking, wow, you know, that's probably way too hard. Well, we have a solution. The Stoplight Network is looking for brand new shows to join the network. Won't cost you a dime. In fact, you might actually make some money off of it. So if you've always wanted to podcast and it seemed way too daunting, drop me a line. My name is Tim Robertson. I am the host of TechFan, 
I started the MyMac Podcasting at the dawn of podcasting, and I can help you get your podcast up and running. Simply send an email to Tim, that's T-I-M, at MyMac, M-Y-M-A-C, dot com. Tim at MyMac.com. Let's get your show ready for prime time. Back here on uh, TechFan 106, I am Tim Robertson. He is Owen Rubin, and I'm so used to saying David Cohn that I almost said that right there. Uh, if you guys want to contact us, you know, easy to do. Go to TechFanPodcast.com. And either leave a message underneath the show notes or uh, click the little button that says contact us. And uh, that's how you do it. One of the things I wanted to, before we wrap it up here, Owen, uh, it's obviously a little bit shorter of an episode than we're used to, but we started late. My wife will be home with my son soon. So um, there's a lawsuit out there. This company called uh, Personal Audio LLC Oh yeah, I, I, mean, I don't know about this. They are a so, uh, they're a, a patent troll, and they have a suit against Adam Carolla's podcasting network and HowStuffWorks.com. What? And they're basically this is a patent that was awarded to them in two thousand and well, they applied for it in two thousand and nine, and they got it in two thousand and ten. <clears throat> and uh, it's a, it's for a system for uh, disseminating media content representing episodes in a serialized sequence. Uh, wasn't TV that all along and radio <laughs> serials that all along? Uh, it, it's, it's obviously um, they're hoping that people capitulate and just pay them to make them go away. But this is the very first serious threat uh, against podcasting. Now, Leo Laporte was on Adam Carolla's show a couple days ago to talk about this. And this is the first time Adam Carolla's spoken publicly about it. And as uh, two of the top podcasters in the world, um, Adam was a little flippant about it, but uh, that's kind of his style anyways. Yeah. But the idea is, maybe it's time for individual podcasters to kind of come together for a podcast legal defense fund. I don't know if you have to do that. They're also suing Apple, Sirius now, XM radio, yeah, they are, Kobe and they electronics won. and but those are different patents and they, and they actually Apple fought back. They went to court and Apple lost. But, yeah, but it's, there's another suit again, according to this article. I'm reading. Yes, but that means they have a war chest. Now they got $8 million from Apple. Well, did they get it, or is it yes. being appealed? Um, no, they got it. Hmm. So, the same patent troll is basically starting at the top of the podcast chain, and they're going to start working their way down. And the idea that Adam and Leo had was maybe it's time for podcasters to band together and create some kind of a legal defense fund. You might also want to contact, uh, what are the guys called? The uh, uh, ACLU? The, oh, yeah, the electronic, yeah. That, that was probably the, a good start I mean, as well. I, but, I, mean, I don't you know. I do a lot of work in patents. Right, but but that being said, well, I think if it went to court, they would lose their ass off because prior art's going to kick their ass. Well, it says they're based on patents that were filed for radio or television in 1996. 
the company itself filed for LLC before they went after companies, assuming they wanted personal protection so they wouldn't lose their houses if they lost. Right. So, I mean, it's it sort of, you know, you can see that they did this specifically just to go after people. This is one of those patents that you look at and you go, what is wrong with the patent office? Right. I mean, I, you can go back to... But that's neither old, here nor there at this point. On the, the point is, this is a serious threat to the future of podcasting. Absolutely. And, but what, do they want license to do this? Sure, of course. They I'm want sorry. money. And, uh, you know, I think that if uh, it does go to court, they will lose. But it's going to cost money to go to court. So if they do start a podcast legal defense fund, I am going to join it. Yeah, I don't. Uh, and at you. that point, I, this is really when I get more information, I will be asking listeners contribute financially to the podcast defense fund, not just for my own sake, but for the future of a medium that I think is revolutionary. It's it's changed everything, and it's very very important that we don't let sleaze balls like these guys try to profit off something that they didn't create. So I wonder, Tim, if you just started putting the episodes out in the wrong order, <laughs> then Maybe. they're not serialized anymore. True. I don't you know. know. You one followed by episode six, and then you do episode two and then episode 14. So they wouldn't be serialized anymore. Does that, is that enough to get outside their, I don't know. I, you know, this is the very beginning of this and as more information comes out, I'll share it here on the podcast. I'm going to follow it closely, obviously, um, because I own a podcasting network and, uh, I, I don't have the financial means to fight these guys in court alone, but I think that if we band together and we make a, uh, some kind of a legal defense fund that, We'll we'll get this thing thrown out of court and we'll win. I would hope so. I, I yeah. I mean this will, this will affect all yours because you're, you're you're you do a weekly podcast. I'm guessing they consider that serialized. Sure. You know, but so, wait a minute. Didn't Buck Rogers in the '50s do a serialized sure. radio? You, you can go. You can obviously look at prior art. That would obviously be um, one of the defenses. Well, here's what it is. If, if I understand this just from what I'm reading here, there's this weird thing you can do with patents where, you know, once you have a patent issued, then you can modify them later. Because the date of this thing is February 7th, 2012. And everybody's like, 2012? Excuse me? But so what they did is they took patents for fi- that were filed for radio and television in 1996, and they updated them to now cover podcasts. Right. But unfortunately for them, podcasts started in 2003. And the reason yep. I know that is because, you know, I started podcasting in 2000. I'm sorry. Podcasting started the beginning of 2004. Right. That's when it's, I started uh, podcasting. I've been podcasting for nine years now. The patents that are based on are, are go back to 1996. That's where their coverage starts, even if they update afterwards. That's the that's the part of the patent law that gets kind of weird. Mm-hmm. You know, if you take a patent you filed in 96 and you modify it in 2010, it cut it they sometimes treat it as if that modification covers everything all the way back to the original pattern. Right. This, but this, what this is, is, and this, well, this isn't the company that actually originally filed a patent. They bought the patent. So it's a patent troll. And it, it's one of these things that needs to be squashed. And it, this is discussed like in IEEE, the, you know, it talks about this all the time that, that the patent system is broken. It yep. really is broken in this country. It used to be, 
the idea of a patent was that you would get protection of your idea of something you were building. Right. That So you would have a number of years where you could own and or license it and have a technical advantage. But it was supposed to be for the common good. Yep. It's not anymore. It was supposed to push innovation and get people to invent things because they would get a little bit of protection. Now it's, you know, let's buy up all these patents we can buy up. You know, there's a technology, I don't know if you've followed, followed um, a little bit of CES we talked about last time I was on, uh, the DISH network uh, receiver that, that DISH has now called the Hopper. Uh, is a, it's probably one of the best, you know, in me, I was in that industry. It's one of the best DVRs I've seen ever. Yep. And they added a feature, and when I saw that feature advertised, I went, oh, my God, I'm, every studio in the world is going to come after him. The Hopper hops. It's exactly what it does. On primetime television, if it records it automatically for you, you don't have to set anything up. So ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox between 8 and 11 are recorded every single night for you and stored in a separate section on the DVR, not using up your personal space. So you can watch anything that's, that's aired in the last eight days. And if you pick one of those shows, it says, do you want to skip commercials? Mm. And say yes, it will hop over the commercials for you automatically. What people with DVRs have been doing manually all along, right. this just makes it a little easier. Uh, well, uh, I think it was CNET gave them the award for the best product at CES. Yep, they did. Yes. Well, CNET is owned by CBS. No, ZDNet. Huh? ZDNet. Oh, yeah. right. You're right, ZDNet. Owned by CBS. And CBS is suing Dish Network for the technology and insisted that they not get that award. Yeah, Rupert Murdoch, I believe, told them, no, you need to retract that. And the head of ZDNet did and then quit. Yeah, well, because – and then came out and said – CBS comes out and said, well, you know, we give 100 um, percent freedom uh, to our news organizations. Obviously not. No. But this is another one of those silly lawsuits. Yep. If can skip it manually and i do then the convenience of skipping automatically is just a convenience yep it's adding a feature it's just giving me the convenience of not having to pick up the remote and by the way if it skips a commercial and you want to go back and look at it you can jump back and look at it it'll let you go back and see and i've done that at times um it's really sad that innovation is squashed by patents which really have nothing to do with the innovation well obama's in his uh Second term now, he can't run for president again. And presidents in their second term, if they get them, start thinking about their legacy. Right. And I think this is something that his administration could really do is to change the patent office. There is a patent reform process in, in place. It hasn't. It's changing some of the underlying stuff. It doesn't change this kind of stuff. I think they need... I think the legal system needs something called the Abusive Patent Protection Act. I really do. It, which is basically companies who buy patents strictly for the sake of suing people because they now hold the patents should be outlawed. Yep. If you're a company a... like Apple and you're building a device and you think someone infringes on your patent, by all means sue. You know, Google, Microsoft, whoever. If someone has stolen the innovation you've created, that's fantastic. But if you're just a group of lawyers who goes around and scoops up patents that no one's defending anymore for the sole purpose of suing people so you can make a lot of money, I think that's, the, I think that's an abuse of the patent, and those things should be thrown out. I really do. And I don't know how you'd ever get that passed as a law, but that's really what needs to happen. I agree. 
Uh, I let's uh, we need to wrap it up, but I did to uh, to end on a note of why David's not here this week. I did just, I got a message from him right now on my phone, uh, and he says uh, back is quite bad today. Uh, so been bed bound and drugged up, and uh, you know we we want to you know it's not an easy thing David's going through. Like I said, and. Uh, this is going to happen until he's healthy again. So I do appreciate you coming in and, and filling in for him today, Owen. I really appreciate it. You know, I, I don't have his accent. I'm sorry. I, I'll work on my <laughs> English accent. I miss David being on here, and I'm always happy to step in for him or with him because I like talking to him as well. Yep. So, And I enjoy this. This is a lot of fun. I know you've always said I should do more of this. I, I'd right. like to have you on it whenever you can be on, but of course, you know, it, it is quite early for you, and that's understandable. But it's literally one of the only times that both David and I can – plan on to get this done you see me online this morning my wife needed to get to the airport at 5 30 so i was up like at 4 30 this morning so i just come back from the airport and turned my computer on and there you were so yep. the timing was good it worked worked out well i was about to say ah, I'll, I'll do a solo show saturday night or something and <laughs> i have no problems doing a saturday show but honestly i like talking to people i like it i like the conversation and I'm not sure how much of our conversation this week, David, was tech-related, but I had a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming on. It's fun. I'm always happy to be here. And you know, and if people have things they want to talk about, even if they're not tech-related, let me know. I'm happy to jump in here and talk about all sorts of weird crap that's happened in my life. <laughs> <laughs> we both live very interesting lives, that's for sure. So with that, for Owen and uh, best wishes going out to David, uh, I'm Tim Robertson, and we'll see you next week.